your guy was like into fingers a lot more than my <laughs> okay. nice old southern lady what? was. <laughs> Way more into fingers. Welcome to the New York Mongolia podcast, episode one. My name is Trey Frank. My name is Gabe Frisella. And in this episode, we talk about my finger dexterity and Gabe's greatest fear while in Mongolia. So the podcast is officially live. This is the first official episode. Live arena. Yeah, I mean, like, technically it's our second episode, but mm-hmm. it's not a pilot anymore. Episode one. It's like the pilot <laughs> versus the first episode of the first season. That's a good um, way to consider it. Yeah, yeah. We got yeah. some good interest from the episode zero pilot. We did. Uh, my mom did listen to it and she liked it. As well, my mom listened to it and liked it. So we are two for two. <laughs> so there we go. <laughs> 24 oh. whole views. On the, on, on the YouTube video? I see yeah. So bad. 24 views on the YouTube video. Let's see on soundcloud we got 28 plays on soundcloud which includes the apple uh podcast store too if anyone's streaming if they download it it doesn't count it we have one play in the last 24 hours i wonder if that's me did you listen to it within the past 24 hours (laughs) Wait, wait 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 what platform soundcloud soundcloud no okay cool oh someone else that's natural organic growth Oh yeah, we're growing. We have a website, NewYorkMongolia.com, where you can see where everything is hosted. We're still waiting on Spotify. Did you fall or Hold something? Hold on, I heard a noises. second. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, it's just uh, it's just me and you. Gabe has left the building, so. I wasn't prepared for this. Didn't know I was going to be the host of the podcast alone, but here I am. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, hello. Okay. <laughs> cool. Uh, what's up with you? Uh, right. Um, got a new laptop because I learned that I have to take a laptop with me to Mongolia. And okay, so like I had a Chromebook. Um. And I, I liked it. I got it for school, right? I just mm-hmm. needed something cheap to type on. Um, and I got that like during my senior year. And I hadn't used a laptop in school at all ever before that. And I just like needed something to take notes on. Wait, really? Occupy my time. You never used mind. a laptop in school until your senior year of college. Remember how I said that I write things down, write my papers down before I like write the final draft on the computer? Yeah. I also have only handwritten notes from like my entire school. That's so weird to me. I changed that just for my senior year because I had a horrible professor and I needed to keep track of all her lies. <laughs> And do it in a documentable manner. Yeah. <laughs> That's so funny. So, um, anyway, so I got the Chromebook. It, it's nice. It has served me well. Um, I like it. It's, li- it's light. It's sturdy. It, you know, it's good for typing on. Mm-hmm. Um, watching some videos sometimes. 
But so I learned the Peace Corps has a reporting system that requires a Windows or Mac computer. So I was like, well, that sucks. So I went and purchased a Windows laptop. And it got here today. And I forgot how absolutely horrible it is setting up a pre-built PC for the first time. Did it come with bloatware? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's like <laughs> the first three or four hours of me owning this PC has just been installing <laughs> updates and getting rid of the stuff that was already on it. Gosh. <clears throat> you know what the worst thing is? Like, okay, so it came with standard manufacturer bloatware. Um, it came with a virus called Norton Security. <laughs> yep. But worse than any of that, on this modern 64-bit piece of technology, there was installed an outdated 32-bit version of Firefox. Nice. Now, what the heck is up with that? Like, okay, I get Internet Explorer, I get Edge. That's fine. I expect that on this Windows machine. But don't you start hurling your out-of-date Firefox at me. <laughs> so it, had, it has Internet Explorer and Edge on it? Yeah, that's standard with um, Windows 10 because <laughs> Internet Explorer is required for certain applications and Edge is their new browser. Wow. Um, so, like, Windows has this... Microsoft has this, like, big crazy thing about backwards compatibility all the time, like, at any cost. Um, mm-hmm. And they've kind of crept away from it a little bit in recent years, but still not all the way. And the biggest... Um, the biggest evidence of that is how they have two control panels in this operating system. Yep. The normal settings and then the legacy control panel. It's the same thing with Internet Explorer. You have Internet Explorer and you've got Edge. That's so weird. Yeah. It's so not a world that I live in. No, yeah. I, I mean, like, as much as I would have liked to have got a Mac for this expedition, I also had to work within a budget. Um, but, you know, I also considered, like, okay, if I have a good, stable internet connection, then this PC could allow me to still do some of the things that I'm doing now. So, like, I could yeah. still do some videos, still work on the podcast on a computer and not just through the phone. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, you that'd, know, be, that'd be nice. Costs and benefits. Yeah. Well, that's good. Uh, I also ordered something that came in, but my thing is far less, uh, digital, which is ironic because it's about an app that I designed. Uh, my, my thesis books came in, um, Ooh, good old, what is it? 86 pages of, yeah, 86 pages, um, of all my knowledge gained, throughout my four years of uh, being a design student. So um, it feels good to have that, to actually have them like in my hands. But at the same time, they were so expensive. (laughs) Even with a 30% discount, it was wildly expensive. I had to order three of them. 
Oh. Only three? So you didn't get one for me. <clears throat> nope. <laughs> I got... Uh, the, okay, my least favorite part about this whole thing is um, they take a copy. So my professors are keeping a copy of the book that I designed, wrote, printed, paid for, all that. They're keeping a copy for themselves. And there's one that you put on display and that one might get torn or ruined. And then you have one for yourself. You can order as many as you want, but they recommend three. <sighs> yeah. But I'm like, who do I send the invoice to for this hundred dollar book that you're getting for free? I am. Um, Jeez. Dollars. Wow. <laughs> That's an like, <laughs> you're already paying for college. And then, Right? You pay for books and then you got to pay for your own book. I know. So, <laughs> thank, thankfully, we didn't have any like crazy expensive textbooks for this class, too, or I would have been like super mad. But, um, yeah, it's, it's, I don't know. It's so much, so much cost into this thesis show, um, which we install on Monday. So, um, we have, a few different components to our actual thesis. We have the actual design work, uh, and then we have to install it in a gallery and show it. I might've talked about this last time, but it is, you know, recapping. Um, and then we have to have a book that we write and design and print and have that on display as well in the gallery. And then for that actual install, um, they don't say you have to do it, but everyone does. They put vinyl graphics on the wall and that costs, you know, anywhere from 60 to a hundred dollars. And that's only for what, two weeks. So, <laughs> um, it's, it's just a lot of upfront cost, but at the end of the day, it'll look cool. It'll be something that, you know, we'll have photos of forever, that kind of thing. So, you know, yeah, it's a balancing act. Good. Yeah. I, um, for one of my horrible French classes my senior year. Um, I'm going to paste this link into the Discord here. You can mm -hmm. see I made a children's book. Um, and this is like like a PowerPoint mm -hmm. version of it. Um, oh, I think I remember you working on this. Yeah, so I, I made this and I had it um, printed and bound and it was really nice and professional looking and my I was actually kind of disappointed how like my professor was like, Oh, that's cool. And then took it. <laughs> oh. never, we never spoke of it again. I, I mean, it that. was, it was, I, I, I always knew that it was going to not be in my possession because it's actually like going to Africa. That's cool. So that's cool. And I, you know, I like that part, but, I don't know. Maybe my perception of the event were colored by the fact that I just had such a horrible experience with this professor. <laughs> <clears throat> it's interesting. But that was only like 20 bucks. It was also probably much smaller than yours. Do you remember uh, what you ordered through? Good question. I ordered my books blurb. through Blurb. Okay. Hey. <laughs> yeah, I, I did Blurb, but... Mine is obviously 86 pages and I did the, oh, it's like 11 by, maybe it's 12 by 10. I don't know. Portrait. It's kind of, it's kind of big. And then, um, I used pretty high quality paper that it matters when you're printing like 
design stuff and you're being graded on your design. So Yeah. So it you know, it was expensive and I think blurb has gotten more expensive over time. But whatever. Yeah. I think the most expensive books I ever printed were my uh Japan class. I did it's kind of hard to explain, but it, in Japan, obviously, they read uh, backwards to what we read. They, you know, read right to left. Their books open opposite. So I designed a book that was about graffiti art. So I took photos of graffiti in Japan, and then I isolated it and made vector versions, like little logos of specific, like, tags or pieces of graffiti that I liked. And... There are semi-transparent pages where you can overlay that vector version on top of the original image. And Did that I was see that book. You might have. Um, yeah, yeah. You remember because I was saying it's an experience. You go through it one page at a time, and you're like, "Yeah, I'm definitely experiencing this." <laughs> <laughs> Giving me sass about it. <laughs> um, uh, your design books are exciting to go through. I well, think for you. anyone that has any sort of appreciation for the arts. Thank you. Yeah, that uh, that book was really fun to make. It took a long time and it was like $200 to print and it was hard to figure out how to print it because like the printers here aren't set up to do backwards books. Like if you were going to set up an InDesign document, which is what I used to design it, um, and you d- if you designed it the way uh, you know American book would be, it it doesn't print the same way. It's it it's made to have the binding on the left side. So to have the binding on the right, I had to think of it backwards. So I literally designed the book in reverse, and I told the printer, "I'm like, just print it. It will work." And they're like, "Will it?" And I'm like, "Yeah, trust me, it'll work." <laughs> <laughs> so. It was a. That's funny. It was interesting. There's one one copy of it that got mixed up, and it's actually the one that Brett has because I gave it to him for Christmas. Oh. And I didn't know that until he went for, went through it, and he's like, "This one's a little bit messed up." So. Oh well. Yeah, it kind of adds to the value. It's a, you know, first edition. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking about. Um. So in the past, I've had uh, business cards made. Yep. For my art. And you might have seen them before. Um, but like they on one side is a full painting. Yeah. And on yeah. the other side is my info. You gave me a couple of them. Did I? Yeah, I had okay, it on my nightstand cool. for a long time. Wondering where all those went. You know, because <laughs> I got like fifty of them and they just like disappeared. Everyone wants one, you know. They're like, so cool. <laughs> Thanks, I thought so too. <laughs> Did you use Moo? Yeah, that was with Moo. Okay, yeah. Moo has an office here in Denver. Um, and we went and had a little meetup there. They're really nice. That's interesting. Yeah, they can do up to 50 variants. That's right. So in a pack of 50, you can have each one be unique. So if you go to moo.com slash New York Mongolia. <laughs> I wish. <laughs> That'd be fun. You will be um, supporting both Moo and us as creators. Just kidding. We don't have that. No, we don't. And we don't have any business cards. I have business cards, but they're not for the New York Mongolia podcast. Yes. Yeah, well, I'm saying <laughs> anyway. So I was thinking. Um, yes. Like, I'm just throwing out 
the possibility thinking off the top of my head, like, well, what if I made some, some more of those business cards, took them with me to Mongolia and gave them to people? I'm sure like everyone mm. gets excited about art, right? I don't know. I don't know. Do Mongolians get excited about art? It's a question. I mean, I'm sure they do, but do they get excited about the same type of art? I guess is what I'm asking. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe By I'll... the way, oh. sorry, um, speaking of art, we were looking up photos of Mongolia and we saw the giant Genghis Khan statue. Yes, it's it huge. Is massive. <laughs> it's on top of a roof. It is like the roof of a building. Um, yeah, it's... it's like a little circle building. It's um it's the world's tallest equestrian statue. <laughs> it yep. is 130 feet tall. It's wild. And it looks like it's it looks futurist the uh the art or design movement. Like it has the kind of like metallic angular almost cubist type look to it, but it's still representative of something. Yeah, it's okay. So the building that it's on is 33 feet tall. Wow. And then the the statue itself is 130 feet tall. And um I see what you're saying about it almost looking futurist. Yeah, it has like a little bit of an angular robotic look to it. It's Oh, it's made out of stainless steel. Yeah, and, and you know what's crazy? The cost of it was really cheap compared to what it would cost here. It was like I remember it was million couple million 4.1 million dollars yeah that's like nothing compared to what it would cost us here <laughs> i think that is in part due to okay so like things cost less in, in mongolia yeah sure um but aside from that uh mongolia i think their economy is largely um, based on raw materials. That makes sense. Minerals represent more than 80% of Mongolia's exports. Huh. Yeah. So Wow. Wow. Probably. Just use what they had. Very inexpensive. Yeah. <laughs> maybe. I don't know. I mean, I'm not an expert on this type of thing. <laughs> Me either. But it, it's still really cheap. And I guess stainless steel makes sense. It'd be cheaper, but still wild anyway so we were looking at that and we were amazed at how how big it is <sighs> um Freaking huge it is really large all right so let's talk about something exciting right yeah tell us about your fingerprints and your <laughs> dexterous fingers yeah <laughs> or my lack thereof um so, uh, I went and got my fingerprints done for, uh, for my job and the, there's a headquarters here kind of downtown. But yeah, so I went and got my fingerprints done and it was in this dingy little basement of this office building. And, uh, there was like two people in this room in the basement and you can tell that the dude just sits there all day waiting for people to come in and get their <laughs> fingerprints done. <laughs> uh, so I walked in and he's like, are you Treg? And I'm like, yep. And he's like, 
okay, you've been on my calendar for a while now. And I'm like, yep. He's like, <laughs> cool. Uh, <clears throat> and he asked about my name, like everyone does. They go, well, what is your name? And I told him the story, which I'm not going to tell here yet. I have to get some comments asking about that one first. Um, <clears throat> but he, uh, he was doing my fingerprints. And have you ever had your fingerprints done? Yes, actually, I have. I can corroborate your um, your description of fingerprint offices because for the Peace Corps, I had to get my fingerprints done. So I went so into <laughs> town and I went and got. I went into into the, town. Like, police headquarters. Where do you live? <laughs> I live in the, the prairie, like <laughs> little house on the prairie. We went into town. <laughs> so I went into the city, not Atlanta, but the the city of Marietta. Yeah, yeah. And I wandered around for a good like ten, fifteen minutes, trying to figure out where this building was. Anyways. Point is, I get there, I get down to the basement, and it, is <laughs> it was in the like basement too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, basement again. Why? And it is just this room with a woman in it, and she <laughs> like fingerprints, and I'm like, "Yep, <laughs> <laughs> fingerprints." <laughs> All right, sign in. <laughs> so that's so funny. Was it actually like a? a uh, Peace Corps office or was it just for fingerprinting? Um, The office was um, like the police office for fingerprinting. So I'm sure they see all sorts of colorful characters and not just lovable young Peace Corps invitees (laughs) like myself. (laughs) Yeah. My visit was specifically at a company or at the, not at a company, at the company that I'm going to be working for, it was their office here in Colorado. So, you've had your fingerprints done recently, so you know how it goes. But if you haven't, to anyone listening, um, they take your hand, and he like he's wearing gloves because he doesn't want to mess up your fingerprints. And I still had the the preconception that these fingerprints would be done with ink like they used to be because um you know it's still 1920 in my mind with fingerprinting technology but apparently they have little scanners now <laughs> and uh he's wearing gloves and all that kind of stuff so he doesn't mess up the prints and um he has you do each individual finger at a time um just flat and then all four of your fingers and then he rolls your fingers on the little screen and when he does that, it's really awkward because, like, it's a full-grown man standing in front of you, holding your hand with gloves and rotating your finger. And he's like, <laughs> he goes, you know, uh, just let it happen. Just. <laughs> I'm not kidding. He's like, just, just don't resist me. Just let this happen. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> Okay, sir, we are in a basement. Um, and, he sl- and he slowly it's rolls. It's fine. This is okay. Uh, he slowly rolls your you know, fingers and he goes, stop popping your knuckles. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, I'm not <laughs> like, what are you talking about? And he's like, no, I can tell you pop your knuckles because your fingers don't have a lot of dexterity. They're very stiff. And I'm like, okay. And then he goes, have you ever broken your pinkies? (laughs) And I have not ever broken my pinkies. (laughs) 
But here's the thing about my pinkies. They are very weird. <laughs> it's a thing that runs in my family. I'm sure Gabe has seen it many a times. Uh, but my sister has the same thing. Our pinkies are just bent. They like don't go up all the way. And I think it's because we have like extra tendons or something. We have something, something weird going on. But regardless, this guy considers himself to be an expert on people's fingers. Well, he he is, <laughs> in a way. Well, here's the thing, though, is like he's okay. Popping your knuckles, first of all, doesn't do anything. There, yeah, it doesn't do anything. There was a, there was for a long time a conception that it like contributed to arthritis. It Isn't doesn't. that a misconception? What's an yes, inconception? It was in fact misconception. Misconcepted. It sounded like you said in in conception. Well, I said he there there was a conception. Anyways, okay. So, but like, <laughs> what? I pop my knuckles all the time. Yeah, and me I've too. I've got really dexterous fingers. Okay. <laughs> Did the fingerprinting lady tell you that you have dexterous fingers? <laughs> no, she mostly just commented on the weather. It was a little rainy that day. Mm. It was not here. <sighs> so yeah, <clears throat> he asks about my name. He asks if I, he asks if I ever have broken my pinkies. He says that my fingers are really stiff and I should stop popping my knuckles. <laughs> and at one point, uh, he was like, you know, asking about the pinkies, and I go, I blame my parents, you know, the name and the pinkies. Gosh. And he goes, he goes, the name of the pinkies. I'm like, what? No. I don't, this is just really awkward now. I was talking about my name and my pinkies. Just finish the fingerprints, please. <laughs> so it's going to be okay. Yeah. It eventually. Just let it happen. <laughs> Literally. He's like, don't resist me. <laughs> just let this happen. Let me roll your wrist slowly. Okay. I think I actually even asked him. I'm like, so do you like see a lot of people's fingers? <laughs> uh, nope. He was like, yeah, some people have some weird situations. <laughs> anyway, um, so that happened. And then the second part of that excursion was to finish my I-9 and uh, provide proof that I am, in fact, eligible to work in America. So, I got the clear. I'm good now. All my pre-employment steps are done, and I'm, I'm set. Nice. Yeah, so, after you got your fingerprints done, what did you do? <laughs> I... Nothing. I sent off a... A packet of information to Washington DC <clears throat> to Washington DC and heard nothing from them for two months. Nice. And then I got an email that said you've been legally cleared and I was like, oh that's exciting. <laughs> this is a good thing, right? To be legally cleared? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you've been legally deleted. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh so was your fingerprint thing like was it on a little scanner machine? Uh yeah, yeah. Could you like see the fingerprints exactly live? You said. Yeah. I could actually like see the little f- fingerprints forming on the screen. Could you? Yes. He also commented that my 
pattern on my thumb was weird for some reason. Your guy was like into fingers a lot more than my (laughs) nice old southern lady was. (laughs) Way more into fingers. It's kind of my thing. I'm a finger guy. Yeah. Jeez. Uh, Like, yeah. I mean, okay, maybe this is just like an issue of like hearing it from a story. Maybe his tone was nice and cheerful and he just loves his work, but <laughs> no. That's not what's coming across here. <laughs> no, the thing is he wasn't nice and cheerful. He was like monotone. Like stop popping. <laughs> the way he just said that. Just let it happen. <laughs> just let it happen. Um uh, no, he was like monotone. He's like stop popping your knuckles. And I'm like did my knock did my knuckles pop because I didn't pop them now. <sighs> yeah. I've popped my knuckles so many times since the start of this story. I'm yeah, I'm like here like popping my knuckles. <laughs> click 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 click. <laughs> yeah, it's what I do. It doesn't lead to anything. I just have I'm just like a tense person. I'm tense. Yeah, that's accurate. Hey, watch it. <laughs> <laughs> Don't blame me for your sneezes. Yeah, I have a problem with sneezing. I hate it. (laughs) (laughs) It's the worst. It's so bad. (laughs) Zero out of ten experience. Would not sneeze again. Everyone around him, anytime he sneezes. No, that's not true. I get mad at the sneeze itself. I sneeze and I'm like, why? How dare you have made me do this? (laughs) How dare you? Um, yeah. I don't know. I also got my photo... My ID photo done that day. My um, my Peace Corps photo that I sent them mm-hmm. looks like 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 a photo of some <laughs> poor Russian tailor. What from the late eighteen hundreds? Why are you wearing like a peacoat? Like <laughs> wearing. A turtleneck <laughs> against a stark white background. I have a neutral expression. <laughs> Why? And I kind of have that look. I, don't know. I was like, okay, I need a photo for the for the Peace Corps for my Peace Corps passport. Might as well just send this one to them. Was it one you already had? No, no, no. I took a photo. I was like, okay, I'm wearing this, so take a photo. And did. why did you have a neutral expression? That's what you do for passport photos. I mean... If yeah. you smile, they, they just say, no, you can't have a passport. <laughs> Try again in two years. That's what they say, but I've seen so many people have smiles on their passport photos. Well, look, this way I... For sure. show it to the Mongolians and I can... And they can be like, is this you? And I just look at them... <laughs> Uh, just the way you, just the way that you are. <laughs> We've talked about a lot of my topics. You have a lot of topics on your list that we have not talked about. Oh yeah, like uh, so, a lot of it. Um, Peace Corps progress, right? So, I think last week I was <clears> like, <throat> I'm just kind of sitting here waiting. I yep. did my stuff, packing, and. Oh, yeah, packing. Jeez. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I haven't done any more packing since then. That's good. 
We haven't either. Yeah. We That's prob- probably not as good, though. We probably should start. <laughs> <laughs> um, but so I, I did my stuff, and they sent me the email with my travel information. So the way this works is um, they sent me the information of where my staging takes place. And staging is like orientation type event while you're still in the States. Um, Mm -hmm. That's in Portland. So from Portland, I fly to Seoul, South Korea. Very exciting for me. That's super cool. And I get to be there for a whole two hours. And then we fly (laughs) from there to Mongolia. Wow. Where do you land? In Mongolia? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's the capital. Oh, right. We talked about that. Ulaanbaatar. Because that's, I guess, yeah, that would be their international airport. That makes a lot of sense. The city has half of the people in the country, so they're going to put an airport anywhere. It's a sparsely populated uh, place. Um. It's it's like roughly the size. It's a little bit smaller than Alaska. I just mm. like I, I looked up the, the the area of Mongolia the other day because I've been saying that it's like it's like the size of Texas, but it's not. It's actually twice the size of Texas. By mm. the way, also learned Alaska is twice the size of Texas. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Maps, man. Yeah, it's so weird. What? Here's something. This is mind blowing. What on earth? I, I just googled this. I said uh, Manhattan versus Denver. So Denver International Airport, also known as an Illuminati uh, underground bunker. Um, <laughs> look it up if you don't know. Uh, <laughs> it is literally bigger than Manhattan. That's crazy. It is bigger than Manhattan. That's including Stuff a lot of people on that island. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's also bigger than like actual Miami, Florida, and San Francisco, which is wild. Uh, that's including, I think, it's like parking spaces, which are very far out, and it's uh, you know, runways and that kind of stuff. But still, it's massive. So that's irrelevant to what you're talking about. So you're flying in to. Uh, Mongolia eventually you have the you have the stuff so point of of the story yes there wasn't really a point I've, I've got I've got um, travel information which is very exciting for me it's a little bit more real yeah good um, but then they so they sent me the information of my travel from staging to Mongolia mm-hmm. staging is in Portland hmm they didn't send me travel information for the in-between. What they did instead <laughs> was say, call this travel agency to book you um, a flight from your home of record to staging. So I did that. Uh-huh. And um, then got online on the Facebook group and been coordinating with some of the other invitees. And it's looking like we've got... Um, some people arriving around the same time so we can coordinate transportation to the hotel together. That'll be cool. Do you have to pay um, for this on your own? No, no, no. The flight there, I didn't have to pay for that. Okay, good. 
I just had to have it booked separately. Yeah. Huh, okay. That's um, really weird. Although I will have to pay for transportation from the airport to the hotel. It is nickel and diamond, yeah. <laughs> for real, though. Um, oh, also, interesting thing. Mm-hmm. I, from this, this um, coordinating travel stuff, I learned that there is someone else in the state of Georgia that is also going to Mongolia with the Peace Corps. Huh. They're on the same flight from here to Portland as I am. That's cool. I also learned a little bit more about uh, PST, which is pre-service training. Um, <clears throat> and by a little bit more, I mean they sent me this really long email. So the first week that I'm there, we're going to be in... Um, what some people have described as like a resort. Um, But I'm not sure that's necessarily (laughs) true. Okay. Cause it says orientation week will be held at a venue about 20 minutes from the airport. Bedding, towels, showers, and food will be provided during your stay. Trainees will be staying in traditional Mongolian gears with up to three other trainees. Staff will create group arrangements by sex, blah, blah, blah. Um, there are no stores in the area. So, I mean, maybe maybe it is, like, yeah. like a luxury resort. <laughs> Probably not. I don't... There uh, might be a resort, but whether or not it's luxury. Um, but anyway, so orientation week happens, and I guess we... They get us a little bit more situated, and then after that, um, we go to pre-service training which from what i understand is like you go to an area with a few other trainees um and that takes up three months that you're there and it's um i think it's like four hours of language training (laughs) um every day and other stuff like job training that's probably important too (laughs) that's awesome that kind of sounds fun. Yeah. To, to be immersed in something like that. It's like summer camp, but but you signed up for it. Mongolia orientation week will focus on basic information about PST, Peace Corps training policies, administrative and safety and security rules and regulations, health, Mongolian language, and introductory cross-cultural do's and don'ts. Which oh. forms a nice segue into yes. <laughs> that reminds me <laughs> my greatest fear. So I was I was doing some um, studying Mongolian language and culture <laughs> on the Peace Corps training website, and there was this little cultural note that said, "While in a gear, and there are a lot of rules about um, how to act and behave when you're in a gear. Uh, you should never step on the threshold." of the gear, for instance. You should never spread your arms across the door into the gear. Um, you should never burn trash in the fire. However, <laughs> if you put your trash into the coal bin and then put it into the fire, then it is okay. What? That is because fire is sacred and you can't put your trash in the fire. But if you put it into the coal bin, then it, like, it becomes coal, kind of. You should you should always uh, 
Well, I guess the, the, like it's it's laid out in a clockwise manner. So you enter in and you walk in clockwise, and then you walk out clockwise. Okay. Um, and uh, you shouldn't sleep with your feet toward the north. But one other thing I read that struck me more than any of the others, and that was you should not roll up your sleeves in a gear as it means that you wish to fight the host. <laughs> and that is just so terrifying to me. <laughs> like, what if, what if I do it by accident? Is this is it just like happened immediately. It's like, okay, we're going down and like, or do they think, oh, what a silly foreigner. They probably oh. think, oh, what a silly foreigner. Let's fight him now. There's only one way to find out, Gabe. <laughs> <laughs> and Look we at all the know. Host, dead in the eyes and roll my sleeves up slowly. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I call good podcast content. But I mean, like, what if, what if I forget? in like a moment and it's like maybe a little warm and I roll up my sleeves or like like some I'm focusing on a task or something or like what if I I'm like in an awkward conversation like nervously roll my sleeves up what if any of these things happen well don't wear long sleeves perfect idea for Mongolia <laughs> that's the only solution <laughs> <laughs> they're like why don't you wear long sleeves and you're like I don't want to fight you <laughs> <laughs> The legend of the foreigner that one day rolled up his sleeves and then the day after tore the <laughs> sleeves off of all his other garments. <laughs> so why all the other rules? Do you understand? Like, is there reasonings that you know of for um, like standing they, in the doorway, that kind of thing? So gears are part of Mongolian um culture as much as tradition and they have a lot of symbolism Mm. um, involved in how they are laid out it is so it's it's a like all all joking aside it's something to be very aware of respectful of while you are um, while you're there because at least during pre-service training I'll probably be living in a gear with a host family so yeah. Okay. Um, clarification. The, from what I understand, I will be living in a gear on the property of a host family who likely lives in a house of some sort. Okay. Um, are they a Mongolian family or are they with the Peace Corps specifically? Yeah, they would be Mongolian. Okay. So, you know, it's, it's a lot of tradition and <clears throat> um, cultural and religious symbolism that has been developed over many hundreds of years. Yeah. If not thousands. Uh, A lot of the, from what I understand so far, a lot of the symbolism, the primary symbolism in Mongolian seems to be based off of Buddhist symbolism Mm -hmm. and iconography. So I imagine that that, probably has a lot to do as well with the rules layout of the gear but don't quote me on that one that would make sense it's interesting what i was saying with like how the layout of the gear it seems nice in a way it's it's kind of like 
nice to have those traditions as a way yeah. to anchor yourself and your culture in space and time, you know, in, in this world. And, and it, it can help to form your own personal identity when you're in different places. I've watched a lot of Fiddler on the Roof. <laughs> <laughs> I saw your mom in Fiddler on the Roof. <laughs> that you saw my mom in a production of that. Yeah, that was like 10 years ago. That was fun. Yeah, Fiddler remember? Fiddler on the Roof is one of my favorite musicals, if not my favorite musical. This is good. And that was right at the time when uh, Gwen Stefani's ripoff version of it was popular. We call that cover when we don't hate the artist. I don't hate Gwen Stefani. <laughs> How about our next topic? <clears throat> yes. Um, Something about Dark Souls. <laughs> oh, geez. This is just a small little thing. I don't, I'm not sure it, it really bears even mentioning, but I got a switch for to take with me to Mongolia. Because I was like, Switch Portable, Switch has fun, interactive party games. It's a great way to like make friends with people and have fun with them. Mm-hmm. But I also, like, I really like Dark Souls. And I've played the games on PC. And Remaster was coming out, coming out on Switch. I was like, hey, look at that. And then there were pre-orders for it for like $40 as opposed to like the normal price of 60. And I was like, I'd buy that for $40. So I pre-ordered it and dark souls remaster <laughs> got delayed just for the switch. Nice. So it's coming out like mid to late summer, I think. And Ugh. I'm gone. <laughs> <laughs> Will you ever be able to get it? Can we ever well, send you things? I am coming back from Mongolia, Trey. Yeah, in like two years. <laughs> Will you even remember that you had it? Will your family have sold it by then? Who knows? The Switch? No, the game. Oh, no, I canceled my pre-order. <laughs> I'm like, nice. this is useless to me now. On a completely different note, <laughs> we've, been, uh, we've been searching for an apartment in New York. Um for some time we've been looking off and on it's it's crazy how fast they move there so you can't do it until it's like a month away from your move date if not less which is super stressful if you've ever lived anywhere else Uh, (laughs) that's just not how we do it uh at least in colorado um so you know we've been emailing uh realtors and asking about places that they have listed up. And like just even last week, we got an email from someone who said, come back on, uh, or said, come back in two weeks, something like that. I'm like, dude, we have to be there on like May 22nd. We have a, <laughs> we have like a date. We were like, we set a date. We want to be there. Um, so it's super stressful. Uh, it's so expensive. And it's a different world. There's things that are really expensive with it, like uh, things like broker's fees, which is 
15% of the annual rent. So if it's 2000 a month, that's 15% of 2000 times 12. So if you want to do the math on that, that's a lot. That's a lot. $3,600. Uh, so it's, you pay, you pay that to a broker and you pay, you know, first and last month rent, and then sometimes up to three months worth of rent for a deposit or a, uh, um, you know, like security deposit. So it can cost upwards of $10,000 to get your foot in the door if you're not careful, if you end up at a place that has a broker fee. So it's a different world. It's so wild. Because of our financial situation, we were looking at doing subleases. So we would come in halfway through someone's rent and finish it out for them or take it over for the summer or something. And um, we actually ended up finding something that does that. So um, it's not a hundred percent in writing yet, but we are number one on the guy's list and he's getting the paperwork in order. So nice. We will be renting a place through the summer, uh, which will be nice. It's in a nice area. It's just a, it's in the upper west side. So very exciting to have something actually, you know, in the works and kind of setting up for that. So when we get there, we'll actually have a place. And with that, we also have travel arrangements now, uh, <laughs> but we had to book them ourselves. We have a set date. We're flying out. Um, so everything's happening now. We have, uh, we have a place, we have flights, um, I would just need to to do it all. Where are you going to live? I mean, general speaking. I already said that. Did it? Oh. How dare you? <laughs> <laughs> the Upper West Side. I don't have any context. So, <laughs> so I don't know why I even asked. <laughs> so have you heard of the Upper East Side? Oh, one second. Nay, I was calling. So my wife just called me and I answered that. So that's why there might be an awkward jump here. Um, But we just got to talking about how some people don't want you to succeed or how success um, can be kind of a um, contentious thing sometimes. Yeah, it can be a little scary, you know, when Mm. I mean, like, to be to be honest, like I have some i don't know about doubts but you know i'm i'm not entirely sure of where my long term future is going to end up mm-hmm. um and you know i've i've thought about that and i've faced that um you know, like the other day my mom was like gabe do you have like a 5 year plan and i was like <laughs> got a two and a half year plan <laughs> <laughs> I love that. <laughs> out of time, I'm in the Peace Corps plan. <laughs> um, you know, I, I there's a side of me where I think it's so important to like plan for things and to have an idea of what you want to do and to uh, to have like a sort of path there. But at the same time, uh, Gary Vaynerchuk, uh, entrepreneur I follow, who is kind of the antithesis of everything you stand for. Well, not everything, but he uh, he's just like. He's an entrepreneur, you know, he's kind of uh, boastful and loud, but he uh, he was doing a Q&A session and <clears throat> someone asked him, um, he said, what's your 10 year plan? And his answer was, I don't do that. 
<laughs> because sometimes you have to you have to work in the moment you know you have to live in the moment a little bit so i think there's a balance to it but i don't think yeah. there's anything wrong with at 24 not knowing exactly what you're going to do in five years i don't think there's anything wrong with that i would i would like to have a five-year plan but the reality is like I I can only basically plan out as far as the Peace Corps, and yeah. I, you know I'm sure other opportunities will show up. Oh, for sure, for sure. With something um, like that on your resume, that looks so. I mean, to me alone, if so, if I got an application on my desk, and I know you're not looking to come into like a corporate place, but if you if I got an application on my desk and I was a hiring manager, and they were interested in a specific position that you know their general skills aligned up with, and it said that they took a a risk and went somewhere else for two and a half years for the Peace Corps? Like, yeah, I'm going to talk to you. I'm going to call you in, you know? I like that you very tentatively said you call them in, not hire them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you don't just hire them based on their resume. You got to interview them first. <laughs> Fair enough. <clears throat> That's just but, smart. You know, I, like... <laughs> so, I, yeah, I've, I've, you know, had moments where I've, you know, I've been thinking about my future and, and also thinking about how totally, you know, well off you seem to be doing. Not to say that, like, you've got it made, right? Mm -hmm. But you have worked hard and you have also um, met and come into contact with a lot of mm -hmm. people that are, you know, influential in their ways. Yeah. Yeah. So. Part of it's luck. Um, I have been lucky to have the program that I've had. Uh, it's kind of rare. I feel like in, in 2018 to have someone brag about their school who didn't go to a, a uh, you know, Ivy league school or something. Um, but I feel very lucky to, I've had the program that I had with the professors I had who called in people to do, you know, talks or workshops or whatever it was with us who are out there working in the field. And that's how I got this job. So there's that side where it's, I was lucky. I was lucky to have this. But at the same time, like you said, I did work really hard for it. And I also worked hard to maintain contact and to be a, a nice person in general and to, to kind of make sure that people knew that I existed um, and just to be a friend first. Uh, and I did that largely through things like Twitter and um, on social media and stuff, but still like, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I have been lucky and I am aware of that too, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm very aware of how well, things are going for you and i'm very thankful for that and you're my friend and i i i like when things are going well for you and i don't like when things are going poorly for you mm -hmm. um but at the same time like i part of the reason that i went to the peace corps was that i didn't have a lot of other um options that were viable to me mm -hmm. and you know i i uh, the peace corps was on the list right it wasn't plan a but it was yeah. it was on the list and so I, it wasn't something that i was like oh well i've got nothing else to do <laughs> um 
lest anyone think that it, this was some sort of half-hearted, desperate attempt at relevancy. <laughs> but, half-hearted. You know, um, so, in terms of how people react to success, mm-hmm. people can react better, definitely. Yeah, and it is it is frightening and intimidating and causes people to self-reflect in scary ways when they see someone such as yourself that is, you know, very successful at a young age. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I do the same thing. Like, I look at people like my friend Coleman, who uh, he's, a, he's someone I worked with at uh, an internship last summer, and uh, he's 19 now, I think maybe turning 20 this year. That sounds right. Um, he's 19 and the dude is working full time as a designer. Never went to school for it. Taught himself. Uh, you know, he is in a way a prodigy. Um, and that's not to say that he was born with it. He's worked hard to learn on his own, how this all works. So, you know, um, I think it's it's really important to know where you sit in the ladder um, while at the same time having confidence in where you are. So I know that I am pretty good. <laughs> like, I'm not bad at what I do. But at the same time, I know that I'm going to be a junior designer. First time, first like real job. Um, I'm not going to be the top dog for a long time if ever so to have that duality is really important for me um yeah and, and, and you know at the same time coming back to like the way people react to success <clears throat> i think people are afraid of it i think people are afraid of what might happen if they do succeed and a lot of times they set themselves up to not succeed and um it might not even be a conscious thing it might be like subconscious but uh you know they <laughs> things that are totally within their control you know um save for any you know m- uh mental health thing or whatever like extraneous circumstances like if you are in a class and you don't put 100% in you are setting yourself up for failure and that's something that you could have done specifically if it's a class that you actually care about or you say you care about you know what i mean like yeah like you have the opportunity to do that set yourself up for success by putting 100% in rather than than holding back and um being afraid to put in 100% and on the same on the same note you going to the peace corps to me is not you throwing in the towel and saying i didn't have any other options it's you saying this is the best option at this point in time and you're working towards something. And it was to me, that's a sign of, um, of that same, the same drive of wanting to be the best version of yourself. And so you're doing something that's beneficial for, for not only you, but for people. And I think that says a lot personally. Well, thank you. Yeah. Like you're making the best of a situation and I'm sure when you're there, you're going to make the best of it too and have an amazing time. The situation time. is that I got a useless French degree. <laughs> <laughs> it's, Which, not, it's not useless. You know, it, uh, okay, it's not useless, but it's not 
exceedingly useful for where <laughs> I want to end up long term. Yeah. And, you know, it, it is like, it's my own fault, right? I didn't put a lot of thought into what I wanted to do when mm-hmm. I started going to school, which is probably what the same do. for a lot of people, right? Yep. Yep. Um, so I, you know, I, I had a lot of French classes. I kept going to French classes. And like, I guess I'm majoring in French. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I remember that. If I had put more thought into my future, what I wanted to do, looked at actual real career options, mm-hmm. I probably would have chose a different major. I also probably would have chose a different school. Mm-hmm. But the reality is, is that I didn't. And so, like you said, I, I do have to make the best of that situation. Yeah. And, 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 you know, sometimes it takes people a while to figure things out, too, which I think is fine. I think uh, getting there is the point. It doesn't matter necessarily um, the journey to the destination um, of of being focused on uh, or at least being aware of uh, building your life. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. I uh, I don't think there's anything wrong with not knowing what you want to do at 18. I mean, like, <laughs> like I was gonna say, my five year plan five years ago was not what is about to happen in a month. <laughs> like, it wasn't. <laughs> uh, it, I five years ago, I was in my band, and the only thing I cared about was being in the band. So I remember in my Spanish class in college, my first day, I uh, we had to go around the room and introduce ourselves. And I said, hi, my name is Trig. I'm in a band and that's my number one priority. And the teacher was kind of set back by that. She was like, wait, what? Your band is your number one priority? I'm like, yeah, like it's the thing I do. And then, you know, (laughs) eight months later, I'm like, hey, guys, I quit. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Because. I don't know. Sometimes uh, things come up and that's okay. But I mean, either way, we're in our 20s. Like, we have time to figure it out. Well, for, I certainly don't have money. <laughs> <laughs> Me either. We've been living off of a like a dollar a day food wise. Almost. That's pretty good. We've been breaking that a little bit here and there, but. Uh, good rate. But we, uh, we have some, some food hacks. What you got to do sometimes. Yeah. I mean, what do we really need right now? Like, I would like to have internet and I would like to eat food and <laughs> preferably shower. <laughs> that's not as important. <laughs> that's why it was last and that's why internet was first before <laughs> food. <laughs> uh anyway, yeah, success. I haven't had anything from my peers. I haven't had anyone act weird that's in my class directly to me, at least, uh, which is good. Uh, I have some really good friends in this program whom uh, I will remain friends with for a very long time to come, um, and they've they've been really supportive and excited for me. So, <laughs> did, you, what? did you hear what I just said? No, what'd you say? Oh, okay. <laughs> that's fine. Excuse me. What did you say to me? I said, you don't know that. (laughs) That's true. (laughs) With such choice quotes on their work as 
not oh, awful. No. Oh no, that wasn't in a design class. That was not a design class. That was okay. It sounds like a design class. That was three D design. <laughs> that was a sculpture class. That was a sculpture class, and she was an animation student. And I feel bad to this day. Uh, I'll give you that. So here's the story. Uh, in this in this sculpture class, we for the first project were uh, assigned the task of creating um, sculptures out of plaster and wax. So we had to use two different mediums, and uh, one of those is additive wax, and another one is subtractive plaster. When you cast plaster, then you cut away from it. And then w- when we actually critiqued, our professor had us present our classmates work and randomly assigned us to someone and there was a certain project that I did not think was very good and <laughs> I it, it was I'm not going to describe it because there's no way that she's going to ever hear this and if she does hi I'm sorry um, but she made a bookshelf and uh, <laughs> it was a, a bookshelf made out of plaster with these wax books. And the the wax cast had to be like an object that was a found object, something that we either brought from home or something like that, just an object that existed. So she had this little book that she cast, and she had all these wax books, and she put them in the bookshelf, and it just did not look very good. And some of the books were like melted on there on purpose, but it didn't look very intentional. You know, uh, you started this with... It, she's not going to listen to it, but if she does, I'm sorry. And now you're just telling everyone how bad her project was. I mean, yeah, well, it's context. <laughs> <laughs> I am sorry. I'm sorry that I have to explain this. And <laughs> okay, here's the thing. Her last project was so good, but I'll get there. Um, so this, it just wasn't her thing. It's fine. Whatever. We had to present the work and try to guess the meaning or explain the meaning that we found in it. So as I was presenting it, I did something like this. I was like, so this is uh, whatever her name is work. And um, as you can see, it's a bookshelf and it doesn't have a back to it. It's like an open bookshelf with, you know, a handful of colorful books. Some of them are melted. Um, what's interesting to me is that the the books are a little bit wider than the shelf, and maybe there's an innuendo there, like, you know, his books are bigger than his bookshelf, if you know what I mean. Uh, but either way, uh, yeah, I don't know. Um, it's not awful. Uh, yeah. Not awful. That's a thing I said in a presentation about her work. And... The whole class erupted in laughter. My professor was laughing and I continued to talk as if I didn't hear them laughing. And to make it worse, my professor goes, no, wait, hold up. I am still laughing at what you just said. <laughs> my gosh. Uh, um, and so for her last project, we did a bronze cast of... Uh, our fingers and whatever else body parts and uh she did i think it was her fingers and the idea was that uh or maybe it was her ear yeah that's what it was it was her fingers and her ear she did her two fingers and her ear uh and she had it on this metal like rectangular base and on that base she pasted all these comments that people had ever said about her art whether it was good or bad so it actually turned out really cool and it was a cool meaning 
Um, but I chose to not read what the comments were <laughs> that people had said about her art because I did not want to know if I had made the the cut or it's not awful. <clears throat> but to be fair, I saw her on the light rail. On there. No, I didn't look. I didn't want to know. <laughs> I saw her on the light rail after that, the next semester, and she waved and smiled and was happy to see me. So, ha. One second. Hello. Almost done. Yeah. Hi. Hello. (laughs) You just made me tell the it's not awful story. It's the best story. Yeah. And what's worse is when I, I told the story. By the way, she can't hear you if you're saying anything. I tell the story from top to bottom, and he, I say the it's not awful part, and he just is silent. So now it looks like <laughs> I'm the worst jerk in the world. If you would have laughed, people would have gotten that it was funny. <laughs> was it's it? awful, though. Not. <laughs> it's not awful. It's not uh, awful. <laughs> Okay, hi Gabe, I can hear you again. Cool. Love you. Okay, I'm back. I love you too. Gabe loves you too. Or me. I don't I know saying who said that. Because <laughs> you said it, so I was saying it. Back to you. <laughs> okay. All this is going in, right? We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> No. Why are you laughing at me? <laughs> she laughed too. Why did you laugh? <laughs> that was so funny. She was like stare. Okay, <laughs> I don't get no respect. <laughs> no respect. No respect. Okay. So that's the story of it's not awful. And what's really funny is when I was recounting the story to Gabe the first time, he scrolled back and looked at his uh, conversation with me on Facebook because we had at one point talked about designing a logo for something. And he sent me a version of his logo. And my reply was, what, Gabe? It's not awful. (laughs) (laughs) So now I don't use that phrase like at all. That's probably for the best. Yeah, well, you know. Maybe if never mind. Uh <laughs> <laughs> you could guess where that was going. Um I also made someone cry with my art once. That's rude. Well it wasn't frankly. on purpose. Well that's not what you said. It wh- what? <laughs> It was anything but intentional. Story. What? Uh, wait, what is? You tell the story. What do you think no, happened? I just said that's not what you said right now. No, it was a hundred percent accident. When I okay, so it was my artwork that made them cry, not theirs. So stop hitting people with your artwork. Well, maybe if their artwork was good. No, just kidding. Dang. Just kidding. So I was in an art class, two D design. Um, <laughs> precursor to 3d design uh (laughs) and uh it was our final critique we it was a project we got to make of our own and like we wrote the brief and all that kind of stuff and i chose to do very large 30 inch by 40 inch uh pen drawings with like you know 0.05 millimeter 
whatever it is, uh, really small nibs on the pens, <clears throat> uh, drawings in a character style that I tend to do. And I chose to make it a narrative about anxiety, depression, and schizophrenia. And I drew these big you know, pieces of art that took forever. And um, it was, I was very proud of the project. And we come into class and we're critiquing them. And uh, the professor has us give a little backstory on it. And I say exactly what I just said. You know, it's about anxiety and depression and schizophrenia. And I did some research on all three. And that's why these things manifested in this way in this art. And all of a sudden, someone gets up out of the class and leaves crying. <laughs> You can hear them in the hallway from our classroom, like scream crying, not just crying, like, like full on breakdown. And we had just critiqued her work before. So we thought it was because we had critiqued her kind of rough because her work wasn't very good. She bought a map from the store and drew a red line on it and said, this is my journey. Like, cool. Um, anyway, so we critiqued her kind of hard cause she didn't follow any of the instructions throughout the whole semester. So we were like, can you please follow instructions next time you're in a class? So we thought that she was crying cause of that. One of my classmates went out in the hall and talked to her and my professor eventually went out and talked to her. And then the professor came back in about 15 minutes later and <laughs> was like, well, the reason she's crying is because of your artwork, Trig. So as it turns out, she has anxiety, depression. Oh, I'd get this. Schizophrenia. So Three for three. Yeah. Wasn't intentional. I didn't mean to make her cry. Oh. And then one of my friends in that class was like, no, man, you should be proud. This means that your work touched them, and it was so effective that it it touched them and i'm like i don't know was it that or was i just being like obtuse about the way i was talking about it <laughs> like yeah there's people yeah, with uh schizophrenia hey i'm a nice guy i'm a cool guy yeah. pretty cool guy nice guy my wife agrees doesn't count when it's your wife telling you it it counts <laughs> <laughs> anyway story time with Trig. Um, you get to talk about your things now. I'm done. I've started a a video series for the game Elder Scrolls Legends, which is a card game similar to Magic the Gathering and Hearthstone. More similar to Hearthstone because it's on the computer, mm. as well as iPhone and Android. Thanks. Thanks, Trig. Magic the Gathering is on the computer, too. It's just not good. I've heard that. Yeah. Um, so they're so far they're longer videos. They're around an hour long, because um, you know I, I bring in a deck. I play a few games with it, talk about it. Hopefully, have some fun with it. Anyways, uh, other than that, I've also started a video blog series, which is sort of similar to this, and then it's more detailing my Peace Corps stuff. Um, haven't actually put out the first episode yet because I'm waiting for Treg to make the outro that he said he would. I'm busy. <laughs> <laughs> Which is why I haven't asked about it. <laughs> <laughs> Although it was it was funny to me how you made me an intro in like five minutes and sent that over. 
<laughs> I waited like three days for the outro. <laughs> yeah, I got working on my own stuff. I got stuff to do. Which is very understandable. <laughs> um, but if you could get that to me, <laughs> that'd be great. I could put out... The, I've just been sitting there. It's been sitting there waiting for an outro, like a 10-second outro. <laughs> Just post it. What are you waiting for? I, I thought I was having an outro. Well, what, what do you need it to be? Like, I don't know. I was thinking something like <laughs> Gabriel Frisella and <laughs> some like motion text. No, oh, no. <laughs> the problem is I never went through a design program, so my, my ideas are a lot more nebulous than yours will ever be <laughs> in regards to this type of thing. Yep. That's fine. Okay. Well, just if, push if, pixels for you. <laughs> if you, if you don't, if you don't have time and you have other things to do, then I can, I can just like end it. Right. That's fine. I can do that. But yeah, it, I, I was operating under an assumption that so that's why okay so um going to start a segment of the podcast mongolian lesson of the week and in this segment i'm going to teach treg a mongolian word or phrase why did you emphasize my name because i didn't want anyone thinking that i'm teaching them i'm specifically teaching you (laughs) but they might learn they might learn as a side effect but the goal here is really to have you fluent in Mongolian by the time I leave. Oh, that's okay. <laughs> so, Mongolian lesson of the week. Number one. The Woo. goal of this is to teach Treg Mongolian. Yay. So, let's start with the basics. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Okay, so first off, um, Mongolian is written with the Cyrillic alphabet. What? Like Russian is. What? Really? That's wild. Uh-huh. Mongolian used to have, well, I guess it still does, but um, it used to be primarily written with its own uh, script, which was written, if I remember this correctly, I'm speaking from the top of my head, but I did look into this at one point. Uh, it was written from top to bottom, right to mm. left. Yeah, yeah. It looks kind of like Arabic. Yeah, it's 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 a it's a lot more. It's a really cool looking script. Yeah, um, it's like characters meets uh, Arabic. It's like it's interesting. They're like these vertical words. So, um, <laughs> uh, yeah. So this script um, was eventually. Um, supplanted by Cyrillic in the efforts of the Mongolian government to improve literacy rates because the old mm. alphabet was considered difficult. <laughs> so they moved over, they considered Latin alphabet, they considered Cyrillic alphabet. Cyrillic is the one they ended up going with, and it's what they use today in the country of Mongolia. There are a lot of letters in it, they make sounds, many of which are like sounds in English, some of which are not. My favorite 
are the, let me see if I can count this real quick. Six different letters that correspond to a sound around all. It makes it difficult to read. <laughs> <laughs> but today, for today's lesson, I will teach you how to say, hello, how are you? So, there are two levels of formality with this. I will teach you formal first. So, you would say, senbeno. That means, hello, how are you? So, say it with me. Senbeno. <laughs> senbeno. Yeah, okay. And with then the, the accent to that. rising? Yeah. Okay. So, well, I think, you know, I haven't lived in Mongolia yet, so. <laughs> we will find out. <laughs> blind leading the blind right here um <laughs> so then the response to that is just sen sen yeah so hello how are you sen ben o and ben o the response to that is sen and then because you're a good polite person you ask it back to them you say sen sen ben o sen sen ben o sen now, if you are going. speaking with your friends, uh -oh. such as you and I, yes. you can drop the formality. We're all friends here. So I would say to you, Seno, and you would say, Sen. Seno. Seno. Sen. Seno. Sen. Yeah, all right. We're good. That's today's Mongolian lesson. It's so easy. <laughs> anyone can learn it <laughs> you can too thank you for listening to the New York Mongolia podcast episode one I have been Trey Frank and I have been Gabe Frisella and make sure you tune in in two weeks when I will have presented my thesis done the whole install thing and uh, I'll be graduating that weekend so I mean I will but if I didn't, it wouldn't matter. I would just call it good. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, we'll, uh, we'll have a lot to update you on, and things will be very close to coming to fruition in two weeks, so it'll be a fun time. Do you have anything Thanks you want to plug? Us. Anything you want to plug at the end here? Uh... Oh, gosh. Nope. <laughs> Call it good. We're done here.